You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. You shoot me down, you shoot me down. Like we're playing Call of Duty, yeah. Girl, you shoot me down, you shoot me down. It's your boy, JC. Girl, you done came through like the popo. Put your cuffs on me and lock me down. All the mother girls are so so. You the only one who hold me down. See you and Cuban must have sleepy buddies. You took your love gun and shut me down, cold buddy. You went like bang bang bang. Girl, you so trick happy. Someone like you But you went and got a gun Loaded it with love Now I'm up and calling you my boo You got that bang You got that bang to the 9010 rule and that was JC with Bang Bang. You can find him online at it's your boy JC. Artists, if you want your music featured on the 9010 rule, email us your songs and notice of approval to play my shit at the 9010rule.com. All submissions without written consent will not be considered. Today on the 9010 rule, we have an artist testimony JC, 
giving his uh, independent story and what it's like to navigate the music industry. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome to uh, another episode of the 9010 Rule. And uh, right here in the studio today, we got JC with us. JC, what up, man? Yeah, yeah, what up, man? Well, for the people that don't know, man, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you how you came up in this thing called music. Man, let me give you a short version. <laughs> um, well, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, so that's, uh, you know, a really popular place for music. I grew up in a household... Um, my entire family, not just my immediate family, but my extended family, uh, we all were like a, what we call a singing family, saying it, all the family functions, all the holidays, et cetera, et cetera. So I grew up around music and um, just been doing it ever since I uh, can remember. The, the cliche imitating Michael Jackson when I was a kid, all the way up to doing talent shows and uh, singing in church uh, the whole nine, but I, I think I just e- evolved into a natural. What about, I, I guess, because as you're an independent artist, correct? correct? Correct. Okay. And so did you did you purposely choose to be an independent artist or did you have any major label <laughs> exposure? Well, um, I had two major record deals. My first record deal was with So So Deaf. That was short-lived. Uh, it lasted all of five, six months. Oh, wow. Because uh, <laughs> um, I signed during the mergers uh, when Arista um, no longer was a label. Uh, they folded Arista, well, dissolved Arista, and Clive Davis started J Records. So that was my first record deal out of college. So um, I kind of graduated college early to pursue my music and then actually accomplished my goal and thought that was it. Moved away from home only to have to come back home and work a nine to five. Like, it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, um, did that. So, did, did anybody recognize you at the nine to five once you had kind of gotten a little spotlight? Oh, yeah. I was teaching at a high school. So, okay. like, I had already had, like, a little buzz in, you know, in the city and stuff. So, like yeah, I think I think he sings. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> like it was crazy. Man. So was, so you were probably the coolest teacher at the school though. Yeah, now that that I was. Now was I actually <laughs> was was I actually there to teach, or was I just there to try to hold myself over? You know what I'm saying until I got like a, a new situation. Right. So my first semester of teaching, man, it was just it probably should have been illegal. I was just letting it get whatever y'all want to do. Like, <laughs> I'm just in here, uh, man. I'm supposed to be in Atlanta, man. I'm an R&B artist. I'm not a teacher, you know. Oh, wow. Like that—that that was my. Um, but then I actually ended up connecting with the kids, so that—that that was something that was real cool, and I learned a lot from them and put a lot of that emphasis into my music, you know, finding the stuff that they liked, et cetera, et cetera. So then um, I was actually teaching a class, and I got a phone call from Bad Boy. And they were like, uh, we have Sean Combs on the phone, like he wanna talk to you. And I'm like, Yeah, okay. I said, I'm I'm looking around the classroom trying to find out which one of my kids are um, you know phone. Yeah, are messing <laughs> with me, man. And so I hung up on them, kept teaching, and uh just went down. I kept getting this call from the same number, New York number. New I wanna say it was like two oh two, something like that. Keep getting the same call. And then I'm finally like, Man, I think this is a real phone call. So I step out, had a call, and long story short, I ended up ended up signing with Bad Boy South, 
out of that phone conversation. And there, there's a long story behind it of how I got in that position. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I had, I had those deals and um, I became independent because of those deals. Wow. Explain what you mean that. by that. Give give us just a little. I know you're gonna probably tell us later, but give us a little teaser. What you mean by that? Um, just uh, being blindsided and not knowing the 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 way a label really functions. Like basing it off of what you see on TV. Uh, I mean, there's no show even close to Empire. You know, which at <laughs> least gives you like a little glimpse of some reality. I wouldn't say it's complete reality, but. You know, just I didn't know about the political structure of a label. I didn't know uh, that labels had hundreds of artists, you know, like as far as the the actual uh, parent labels, right. not the little sister not labels. The subsidiaries. Yeah, not the subsidiaries. Like, it's hundreds of artists. I'm like, hold up. I've never heard of you. I've never heard. So I'm <laughs> meeting all these artists that are signed, that have record deals, that have been signed for three, four, five, six years. And I'm like, uh-oh. Right. You know, that I remember that was the first thing I thought like when when I had that experience was like I may be in a bad situation. And sure enough, I was. I was in a situation where my label was real controlling. They didn't really know the industry, especially from an R and B perspective, because I was signed to a rap label. Right. And I wasn't working with P. Diddy. Like I was just they dumped me off on the Southern label because I was down here. Right. They're like, oh, this is a cool idea. Let's take this R&B artist and put them on this Southern, this this new label we've created. And so it could have been great, but um, it just wasn't. Like, I, I just learned. I mean, oh, man. It's, I could go in so much detail. It's just so much I didn't know that I found out the hard way. And that led me to now want to be independent because I know how a label truly functions. Makes sense. Okay, okay. You want more details? Well, <laughs> I, well, I mean, you don't have to say anything that you don't want to say. Oh, um, no, I say it all. But <laughs> you don't want to talk your ear I, off. I mean, I know, I, I know that there are, like, we got tons of listeners that are trying to figure out how to navigate the industry. Right. And and you got to keep in mind, this is something that they've been dreaming of since they were knee mm. high. You know what I mean? And 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 because you, you said it was a, a cliche, everyone kind of was started singing in church and and mimicking Michael Jackson and and that kind of thing. Uh, which I think, as as fans of music, we've all done at one point or another. Whether you're a, a rap artist or R and B or country or, or whatever it is that you do, but I think that. Knowing how to navigate the business mm. is what ultimately determines the success of one artist or another, and kind of recognizing, you know, right. the real from the fake. Totally agree. I totally agree. I think with me, like I said, was not knowing that reality. Okay, what what is day one like when you get a record deal? I guess that is what I would. Suggest to listeners who don't know what that's like. What is day one? I signed a reg deal. Like I was living in Nashville. I moved to Atlanta. What is day one like? What am I doing at the? I have a record deal now. What right. does that mean? Okay, so that mean you well, just I had put a your nice, chain on and, and go. You know, to the club? I had a nice. I had a nice. Um, my bank account looked better than it ever did. You know, I had a nice little advance. I had. I I started driving a different car. You know what I'm saying? I went from an Altima to a Corvette. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that was great. 
I I I moved to Atlantic Station. I had a nice pad, you know what I'm saying? I decked my pad out with with all kind of everything. Then day two, I had the same stuff. Day three, I had the same stuff. Four, fast forward, day 150, 300, two years. I have all the same stuff. But now my concern is, okay, all of that is not cool anymore. Like, okay, I've been driving this car. I've been living in the pad. I've had 50 parties by now. Where's my first single? Where's my album? Where's my video? How am I transitioning in my career to become the next Usher or the next, like the people that I'm seeing, what's happening with all that? While the label is just writing all that off on the taxes, you know what I'm saying? So I know that now, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is I wasn't relevant enough to be in demand for the label. And that's how artists get signed because of their raw talent. But they can sit on a label for four or five, six years until the label gets around to you or until they don't get around to you. It so, doesn't it doesn't affect them at all. Okay, you're there 150 days in. You've already gotten these things that you that you know you're enjoying and using. You call new crib girls a little attention. Oh, crazy. So so how are you making day-to-day money though? I wasn't. I, that's why I wanted and, to and explain because for them. because I was rich to hear me tell it. <laughs> I had I had six figures in the bank. I'm rich now. You know what I'm saying? Right. I went from a $30,000 a year teacher salary. I had a lump sum and the car was paid off. You know, like in my head, I'm really, this is going I'm to, willing. this is going to always be there. Right. Like this is just for now. I'm going to I'm getting show money next year. I'm going to have my publishing coming in. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And then the more time went by, the more I'm like, the only thing that happened was those things got older and older. The the bank account got smaller, the car got older, the 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 condo I'm living in got more expensive, the less money I had, you know what I'm saying? It just started to all become a reality that, hold on, man, this could take a turn for the worse. Then you start seeing those individuals on the labels who were signed before you were. And you and you start seeing them, you know, fall off and you're like, oh man. This is not so good. So that put me in the, that's what started my independence was I started being an independent artist when I got a record deal. That's basically what I'm saying. (laughs) Right. Because somewhere around year two, it dawned on me, I'm never going to be released as an artist because I'm a songwriter first. I'm a songwriter first, then an artist. And the truth is that I had, you know me, Kev, you know how many songs I keep on deck. I stay recording. Man, I had like three albums by then. And when I say albums, I'm talking maybe 15, 16 songs per album. You're talking about No Limit albums. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about double disc if possible. Yeah. You know, like in, in major production. I was working with Beacocks, Jazzy Faye, Don V. They were all like real hot at that time that I was signed. So I didn't understand it because the music was where it needed to be. I have this talent. Y'all gave me all this stuff. Why would you not put me out? But, you know, long story short, it put me in a position to where I said, okay, I'm going to have to do it myself. And I released my first single as a signed artist independently. 
My first single that actually got radio play, that actually ended up on BET, that actually, you know, got me on tour and got money in my pocket was an independent release while I was signed. Okay, we're going to have to definitely get into that, but I got another question first. Okay. Because I'm, I'm not sure how that works where you're signed and you release on your own, but why, why do you think... Why do you think that, okay, so you say the first day you signed a record contract was the first day of your real lesson to becoming an independent artist. Why do you think so many artists don't see that? Well, I, I won't say the first day okay. because, <laughs> like I said, the first day you're blinded. Got you. I thought it was cool that I became friends with Young Jock. Right. He had the number one song in the world. You know what I'm saying? He got, it's going down. He's like, hey, man, you want to go to club night? Look around like, Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm thinking this is, this is it. So I'm so caught. Then Zoe gets on the label. Me and Zoe get real cool. So it's like I'm constantly around celebrities. I'm constantly in VIPs. Right. Whatever I want, I can have it. You know, it's there. And I'm not even a major artist yet. The girls are messing with you off the strength that they feel like you're about to blow up. And they just want to be able to say, oh, I knew him before. They fucking for so, potential. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's yeah. easy. That, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's just easy. So, you know, you got all this stuff going for you, so you think. And then it gets old. Like, And, and that's why if you some, I'm not going to say all artists, but a lot of the more seasoned artists... Like they they're not into all that because they've already been there, done that, and it's right. old to them. So it gets old real quick when you're not, you don't have the relevancy of uh, as an artist to match all of that hype and all that stuff. Because at some point, somebody's like, "Man, when your album coming out?" Right. So do you still see artists today that you that you were signed with still signed to labels? Yes. What's that conversation like for them? Because I know you've gotten over it and you figured it out, but what's what is their mindset like? What are they thinking? Well, the thing with some of them where they just weren't fortunate enough to be in a situation contractually where they can really get out of it. Some of them actually had major success and then kind of died off after having a gold or platinum album. So obviously the label is not letting them go. I was able to get out of my agreement because it was a billion breaches in, in <laughs> my always, attorney. There always are. Yeah, it is. It's just like, most people aren't sophisticated enough to, to spot them. Exactly, exactly. So my attorney, she she helped me out with that big time, but that was, that was the only reason uh, why I was able to get out of that, you know. So was there something in particular that, um, I don't know, what was your epiphany moment? Were you like, all right, it's time to do something different. Man, uh, I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, well, first of all, I take that back because I said I became an in a, a independent artist while on the label. I was already independent because I had an album called All of Me that had been real successful online. That was one of the things that helped me get the deal. Right. But I released that album independently, but not because I was trying to be an independent artist. I released it independently because I have a choice. <laughs> right. And I was doing it in hopes of be getting a deal one day, quote unquote. You know, like, oh man, I'm trying to blow up. I gotta put something out to get get my buzz going. So I put this album out. It blows up over when I say it it blows up, it's still today one of the largest selling CDs for for urban R and B for C D on C D baby. And that was, I put this out in two thousand five. And 
it blew up overseas and I was so caught up in trying to get a record deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't even I didn't even care about the overseas success. Wow. I was more concerned about being relevant in Atlanta. Wow. Like I bypassed Switzerland and Germany and Australia and Japan and all these countries that were into my music. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's overseas, you know, like wow. wave that out, like, oh, they they don't know what's going on, you know, like just wave them off. And now that's where the <laughs> primary areas I'm doing my music. Like Atlanta's like on the back burner. Like right. that's, that's not even on, I'm not going to say it's on, no, my radar, I'm just saying I go focus on overseas first. Right. You know, because now I know more, you know, and I know how to approach the business in a different way, but... Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that stuff, man. So tell us about the situation where you dropped your independent single, Wild Signed. Okay, so that happened. Um, okay, this was like, it's about two years in, because I signed in um, the end of 2006, moved here in 2007, set the whole first year. I don't even think I made two years. It was like the middle of 2008. But the song really got buzzing in 2009. But I was in the studio with Zoe, and I had had all these. Actually, Zoe was the one who told me to do it. He was like, man, you just need to put something out. He was like, you know, you're always with us at the clubs, and like you can go on the road with us, just open for us. Like, open for me, open, open, open for Jock. Like, some of our friends that are artists, right. you know, you can, you can just start opening for them, but you don't even have any material. So I was like, man, that's you're right. So I started listening to beats. All this happened in one night. Started listening <laughs> to beats, found a beat, wrote wrote to the record. I said, man, well, I need a feature. And he was like, I got you. So that was the only good thing that came out of the label is I didn't have to pay for the feature. And he he was hot at at that moment. That's right. when his biggest uh what was the hood, hood figure hood single? Nigga, yeah, yeah, hood nigga, yeah. Yeah, he had that out at the time. So Put him on a song and just started pushing it with no budget. And my manager, we had a little bit of money, you know, and uh, we just did what we could with it and got it as far as it could go. And we got it to, like, at one point, we had about 300 spins a week. And this is with no budget, right. no no money. But we we gained the momentum that we needed to gain for the label just to come in and pick up the slack. And to answer your question, when you said, how did that work when you released the independent you know, single while signed to a label, but then they got mad. Of course. And so then it was like, yeah, we see the, the song being successful. We're not getting behind it. And so Block refused. But he refused mm. to get behind my record for the simple fact that he hated the fact that I did it and I was good at it. By myself, and that's where I actually know you from. You you actually did a, a show one time, and they were calling you a block artist at the time. Yep. And I remember, I don't remember the record what it was. But that's that's where I know you. It was from. called Nobody Got No. Yeah. Okay. I had a record called yep. Nobody Got No. And and with the unfortunate part is like I, to this day, I go to studios as a writer. Right. And we're just writing. They're like, man, your your voice, man, your tone, man, sound familiar. I, man, I know I've met you, and 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 it always comes. Up, oh yeah, you were the. Man, and 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 then the following statement is what happened. <laughs> I, that's that's what I was saying because the reason why it was so odd was because I remember being at that event. I can't remember where the event was, but um, I was thinking to myself, the people I, we were with, we were like, I didn't even know Block did R and B. Exactly. I, and but this could work though, because like 
at the time, you know what I'm saying, it was after the uh um the jock song that was that killed the Buy you a the, drink. the world. And, and uh, right? uh is going uh it's, it's going down, right. Yeah. That that had already happened. Gorilla Zoe was doing his thing. So then, you know, that I see this R and B cat. I'm like, wait a minute, that, that might be a good look for the city. Yeah. And I mean, it's even I've I've said with ra- major radio personalities, I'm not even gonna name their names, man. They just clown them. They're like, why? You know, so much pride, like, but it was everything that needed to happen, you know, was there. Right. And then the, the icing on the cake was I had a deal with an investor. So that was the that was the extra piece that nobody could understand is I had an investor put up a million dollars on top of my deal that I did with Bad Boy South. And so he was willing to spend whatever was needed. Well, during the process before the single, he was being over-invoiced oh. and found out. And he said, listen, man, keep, keep, keep everything. You keep everything. Me and you are good. I know this is not your fault, but I don't do business like this. I'm out. Because, see, if he would have still been in the picture, I would have had him pick up on the funding. So he was out, which left me directly signed to block. Ooh. I'm just sitting at the studio every day. Asking people not to smoke around me so I won't kill my right. voice. Because you're in the wrong area, right. yeah, <laughs> the wrong I mean, environment. Everything is just the wrong, this is not right. So put my record out and I did all the legwork, man. I'm talking from street team stuff to going in with the DJs. Hey, man, what you drinking? You know, like right. like like I did club runs like a rapper. Yeah, you, you know, do like, what you're supposed to do. I'm in Velvet Room standing on the couch performing. I mean, SOs standing on the DJ booth perform. I did, man. This was yeah. I think when I saw five, you, you were standing nights. on something. Yeah, I can't, five, I can't remember, you were standing on something. Short, <laughs> so I'm gonna stand on something like so. I'm like, this is five, six nights a week, man. But the only thing I don't regret is I learned an aspect of um, the music business that I had no knowledge of when I was living in Nashville and when we were going to TSU coming up in that system. I thought you just you do the talent shows, you do what you can independently, you get a record deal, and the rest is history. Right. And that's not true. Do you do you have an idea how much was invoiced? How much how much were, were they saying they spent? 300 on? grand. You know what's crazy about that? I had an artist. I'm not going to say any names either. I was managing him. Mm-hmm. We didn't own any records. We had front ends on maybe two or three records. And front end, by, by front ends, I mean you pay a producer basically an upfront amount of money to produce a record for you, and then you go in and record it and decide whether or not you want it, and then you pay the back end for there the listeners. Go. So this artist that I had, we were signed to an independent label that was just starting. We were the first artist, um, and they spent two hundred ninety-three million. I mean, thousand. Excuse me, two hundred ninety-three thousand dollars, and we didn't even own a record yet. Wow! So that three hundred thousand—that's like the magic number, three hundred thousand dollars. Now here, here's here's what's crazy about this is we, we my investors spent three hundred thousand dollars. But the $300,000 he spent, only about 50000 of that, maybe 75000 of that, actually went into my project. Right. The rest of it the was The rest of that was over kickbacks invoicing and, and kickbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, and I'm, I promise, like, now, if you were talking to me five years ago, I would be knocking block. I don't even have a problem with him anymore. It doesn't. It, he doesn't even bother me anymore. I never do business with him, but it's is he has a history of it. 
There's oh, okay. a history there. And and there's other individuals in this industry that have that history. That's another thing. Coming in as a new artist, you just out here trying to get a deal, but you don't even you're not even knowledgeable of the people within the industry that are the sharks and that did this to this person, this person, right. this you know, like you're not even knowledgeable of that. So you're just up here inking deals with whoever. And here's no. the thing, you know, what I want everybody to understand is that nobody is going to tell you the name of somebody who's gotten over on them. That's just, that's actually bad business also. So what you just have to do is you have to pay attention to everything that's being said and learn right. the ropes so that you don't have to ask who are the people. You need to be able to just spot them for yourself. Right. Because it's, it's just bad blood to start going out and naming people's names and saying, this person does dirt, this person does dirt. That's true. the chances of you hearing somebody actually say that are very slim. Right. But you know what? You also you also kind of get looked at as a crazy person because <laughs> right. normally, oh, yeah. I mean, because normally those people that are oh this person stole from me and I did this for that person and I did that for person and they're yelling at the top of their lungs and right. they're hysterical. Right. But they're honest. They're telling the truth. But right. the person they're talking about is heavily influential, and so it's exactly. like you're not not him. Right. He didn't right. See that, you? that was and, me. But you know what? I'll say this. I think that even. Like if you were to if you were to tell me that you know such and such person did you know did you wrong and and so on and so forth, most artists are like, damn, that's messed up. But I still want my shot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that and that's the truth because everything you just said that was me when I first got out my deal. I was like everybody's like, what happened, man? Let me tell you, blah blah blah. That's why I can say it now because I've already. Done fifty billion interviews where I was just going at the juggler cut. People were asking me questions, and that was my answer. Like, it wasn't anything I did. You know, it was just one man. So I'm just, man, I'm lashing out. I'm just, man, just going for the juggler. Wow. And and the crazy thing is a lot of individuals who I call myself warning, they still did business <laughs> with them and got screwed. And and didn't. Mm-hmm. didn't. You know, they didn't, they didn't, because like he said, people are just like, well, that happened to him. That's not going to happen. It's kind of like the girl that dates the guy that cheated on the last 10 girls that that he was with. And then... She trying to tell everybody, did, he's well, a dog, he's, he's a this, he's a different now that. and blah, blah, blah. Like, come on, man. So then how did you feel <laughs> when you saw Jock go up there and, and get put on ice, the full bad boy? How did you feel about that when he had to try to get out of that deal? Because that was very similar, it seems. That was, that was a lot. Man, he, he actually wanted some money for his situation because right. he had to sue some people. But um, I know his was even bigger than mine because his his beef was with our label directly. Right. But then also P. Diddy himself. So right. I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't shocked at yeah. all because I had heard so much from other artists by then. I, I was just like... Yeah, man, go get your money. But even I think he ended up selling or something like. So I don't even think he got but a fraction of. I mean, even if he won two million, there was probably eight, nine, ten million stole. Right, we talking about millions, man. That's that's not that's real money right there. Like so, but um, I don't I, know. I, I think that's what's so intriguing about your story too is because everyone like if I if I could go hit ten open mics tonight. Right, right, and find a, a talented artist there and ask them why. Are, yo, you are dope. I've never heard nobody sing like you. I've never heard nobody rap like you. Whose beats are those? Oh my god, this is the craziest shit I ever heard. Why aren't you popping? Right, and somebody and nine times out of ten they're gonna say eh, it's the money or I right. ain't got the right opportunity. 
Exactly. Uh, you know, something to that effect. And it's, it sounds like with you, you had all of those things. Mm. Like the stars aligned the way a nation of artists would want them to go. Right. Where they even had, even outside of your record deal, you still had an additional investor. Right. Exactly. And uh, and so to see to see it that you weren't able to reach the success that you felt like you should have, or right. at least people think you should have. Right. Um, a lot of people can't deal with that. Like that's a tough shot to their ego. Oh yeah, and I mean, and that's that's the reason why a lot of the things. There's no coincidence when we look at you know rest in peace to all these individuals, but when you look at Whitney Houston, why was she in a tub? You know, why was Michael Jackson shooting drugs up through his veins on a regular basis? And why did Amy, why, why did these people commit suicide and go through, like, man, it's because, like, it's, it's an industry that has so many hidden factors that the average person just doesn't see. You know, like, one thing is relevancy. Like, you may, you may still have money and you may, um, you may have had all this success, but there are some artists that are so used to that when they when they're not as relevant as they used to be, they can't deal with it, you know. Or you know they have that one individual that messed up their career and they go to bed every night thinking about it. Man, if they just would have done this, that would have blah 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 blah. Because it will put you in it. I know when I got shoot man, and that's some. Cause I'm so cool. That's some people. A lot of people don't even know about me. Like man, I went through like almost like, like a state of depression. Like when I got out of my deal, like where I literally sat on my couch and did nothing. Like they're like, oh well, you know what? What were you doing? Like you were going out? Like no, nothing. Hair grown out, face. <laughs> Run out, no clean cut, smooth R and B, none of that. And you know I don't smoke. You know I don't even like being around smoke. Mm. I'm smoking weed all day, <laughs> all day. Like from the time I get up to the time I go to sleep, because I didn't want my, I didn't even want to think. Like I didn't even want my mind to to reach a point to where I could think about what could have been or what went wrong, or, because it was all stuff that happened. Out of my control And that's how Like th That's how bad It messed me up man So I already know You know There's There's the, I understand I don't agree with it But I understand Why people Get to those Points Cause I've been through it On a small scale So I can't even imagine For the big 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 artists Like how it feels For them to go through Some of the stuff They go through Yeah man That is it, it, It's crazy to, to hear you As a Uh to like your hair growing out and you smoking weed, right. <laughs> you know, like like you're degenerate, like you're just wasting your life away now. With, yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I get it. It's every every artist worth their salt, especially someone that's a true artist that right. takes it. It's personal. I mean, your yeah. art is personal. You love to sing. You love to rap. You love to perform. Right, and especially when you see your, it's like having your dreams crumble in front of your face. Right. And uh, yeah, you're going to be depressed. Yeah, you might start drinking. Yeah, you might start doing some drugs. Right. Yeah, you may even kill yourself. Right. And I, I think that's part of the part of the reality that's hidden behind because the, the, the music industry uh, appears to people almost as if it's like the, the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, exactly. uh, it's all powerful. It's it's and it can change your life right. in an instant. 
and everybody is trying to uh, to achieve this level of success, of notoriety, mm-hmm. of of fame and fortune, but every time and and it happens consistently like every year there's a breakout star and every year there's somebody that crumbles exactly and people always wonder well i don't know what happened yeah you know what i mean and most of those breakout stars you look up give them 2 3 years max and then they're not around anymore they're not even relevant like look at the hip hop game like how many new rap artists come out every year hot song for the summer and then they they everybody's downloading their mixtape. They get a record deal. They do an album. They may get one more shot the next year. By the third year, they're out. Man, you know, like if that, if that they even make it three new, years, I, I'm being nice, <laughs> yo. Because like I remember, matter of fact, you remember Mike Jones? Yeah, everybody like Mike Jones' name was everywhere, and that record was like stupid popular. But I want to say, like, he kind of fell off the map for a while. Nobody heard Mike Jones. Nobody even knew where he was, and nobody seen him or nothing. Right. Man, I was watching TV the other day, and I swear to God, he was doing a commercial for like some attorney. Right. And I think the turn. I think the attorney's name was Mike Brown or something like that. And he was like Mike Jones. Who? Mike Brown. Wow. Yeah, it was like. You seen that? You, seen that you know what I'm talking too. about? It's a bad commercial too. It's not it, even a terrible. Yeah, it's not even a well produced like Super Bowl commercial. It's Yo, like it, it's a bad 4, idea. Four a.m. It, easy, <laughs> it easily oh, could have been filmed on somebody's cell phone. Right, right, right. right. Easily edited. On, <laughs> is it edited on iPad in the bottom corner? What? Yeah, oh, <laughs> like man. straight out of iMovie. <laughs> so yeah, I just I don't know, but that's that's part of the uh, the reality of of the industry because everybody wants to perform in front of the industry executives and and get a chance to change their life. Which I'll never knock somebody for uh, chasing their dream. Oh, I mean, definitely. if you get a shot, definitely do it. But uh, part of the 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 premise and and the reason that we do this show is because we want people to not have to experience some of the pain and and end up killing themselves and yeah. you know so on and so forth, man. Because this shit is real, or at least truly know what they're getting into. That, and that man, that you took the words out of my mouth. I was just gonna say, if nothing else, educate yourself on the music industry. Nobody is going into a surgery room. You know, to perform surgery on somebody if they don't know what they're doing. Right. If I told you, hey, man, you're going to be liable for this, but um, go ahead and do surgery on his brain, you know, or on his heart. Like, man, I'm not doing that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yet everybody wants to jump into the music industry because it has more of a lottery type feel to it. But let me just did. You know, do a little here and there and see where it goes. Throw it in the air and see if yeah, see if I can be a one hit wonder and all this stuff. Like, man, nah, you (laughs) gotta know this industry and know what you're getting into. So, if nothing else, shows like this, and then when you meet other industries, that's one thing I can say I did. I met. uh, I remember I was living in Miami briefly when I met Alicia Keys and when I met Kanye West and Two Chains and Rick Ross and all, even Diddy. The one thing I did with them, now, hey, can I get a picture with you? I talked to them, and I asked them questions. That's how I taught myself about publishing, and that's how I, well, that's how I learned about uh, publishing, about management, about, you know, other factors and labels and the overseas market came from meeting major artists and then talking to them and asking them, 
you know, like I remember Two Chains told me his whole system of how he went from Titty Boy to Two Chains and became relevant again. And it was money involved, you know, as far as what he invested. And so I learned, I learned real quick, you know, that the industry is driven by money. Absolutely. You know, every, so, every industry is driven by money. Exactly. But there's the idea that, like he said, it's the lottery. Music is not, it's not about that. But trust and know that every industry, including the music industry, is 100% driven by money. Yeah. Are you, are you, you sure about that, man? Because I'm the hottest artist ever, dog. Okay, I'm <laughs> telling you, my shit John Blaze, dude. You, you Ain't hot, no way. Let me think about Anytime, it. Anytime, if they just see me, dog, I'm telling you, if they see me, you about to they blow. don't want to sign me on the spot, yo. You about to blow. I'm, I'm telling you, dude. I heard that a million Rocket times. Rocket ship, nigga. It's me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I'll share, I'll share something to show the reality of it. And I think I shared this with you the other night when I was at the studio. I can't remember, but if I didn't, I had I have um a database from where I just submitted my record and it you know it allow I can't really speak on what it is or who did it for me but the bottom line is I have feedback from 52 exactly 52 of the largest program directors all over the country for urban radio and 52 program directors sat down and listened to my record. 51 of them liked the record. 50 of them verbatim said that they would play the record on their radio station. My record, as of today, does not have any spins. Why? I mean, you know why, right? You already know why? I know why. Oh, because I can tell you but, why, too. But <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying I don't get it. 50 of 52 said, oh, man, this is a smash. Right. Like, this is a hit. Like, I'm reading these, and I'm looking at the comments, and I'm like, man, is that... I know I know all this already. Right. But to see it, like, from the horse's mouth, and to know, like, man, these people are not going to play my record until they get some money. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's like almost like... I mean, I've been in it too long to feel some type of way about it. But for the average artist, it has to give you a little sense of defeat as far as your talent is concerned. But because it shouldn't, it, though. It, but, you, right. know, you know why it doesn't now, though. Right. It right. shouldn't. It shouldn't. But it does. But it does because the truth is it has nothing to do with my talent. Because even if I took another record and I sucked and they didn't respond the same way, I could still pay him to play the record. Absolutely. And and funny thing about that is also because you are the artist, they may assume they may look at that as being unsolicited. Right. So even even if you did bring them money, it still may not go over good because in the end of the day, they have certain people that they deal with for that. Radio promo exactly. people right. are right. who you they're looking you for. You can't just walk up exactly. with a bag of money. Exactly right. No duffel bags. Now, you have to have a really good relationship with that program director to actually bring money to him. Exactly. The, the legal way to do it so that there's no payola is by having a, hiring a radio promo guy. Exactly. But I don't think people really understand how much that costs. Oh, no. And and look, that, just, just to tell you, man... When I say I've been through, if it's something in the music industry, I've been through. Like, before I released this single, I had a single with Future. And everybody told me I was crazy for that. They was like, man, Future's not going to do a song. I don't know Future. I don't know Future. So I came up with this crazy idea that I was going to get Future's phone number, and I was just going to call him. Because I'm like, you know, I was I was on some old... 
Man, shoot, I make music just like he do. I'm about to just call him and be like, look, man, I'm trying to do a song with you. Everybody's cracking up at me, right? This is a true story. I got a song with Future called About That Life. And I that was going to be my official single as far as me trying to come back out independently. Because what I've been doing is releasing albums overseas. Mm-hmm. I, I do the album independently myself with my company. I do everything myself. And then I license my albums out to companies in like Japan, preferably, and Europe. Uh, Europe is more so songs. Like I'll play songs and move, like they'll buy three songs for a movie, stuff like that. So I, that's been my little hustle. So I said, man, I really want to take a shot at this again, like what I did with Nobody Gotta Know. So Future was the hottest. This was two years ago. Future was just the hottest new artist out, like rap-wise. Right. So I get his number. From my friend And I just called him And he's like Man how you get my number <laughs> And so I was like Oh my homeboy So I started name dropping I'm like yeah man I know your boy Nat man You know And uh, I know Reese Worked with you too She used to work with me at Block I used to be signed Block By the time I got through name, Then I told him I knew his attorney I, Which I do I know his attorney Vinny So by the time I Once I got to Vinny He was like Okay Shoot Hey And his exact words Pull up and I'm like, he was just like, pull up. He was like, man, the studio, I'm going to send your address to the studio. So I don't know if I'm about to get robbed. Right. I don't know if I'm about to get set up. I don't know if this is actually future or his homeboy. So I get my, my homeboy to go with me. I mean, it was like, it was like a drug transaction, man. I'm just being real. It was crazy. <laughs> we go in there. We got a bag of money. Because uh, now he, 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 I did a record with him for like a fourth of what he was charging. At the time, like, which was, that was crazy within itself because he was just like, well, what can you do? And he was like, well, I don't even know if I'll do it, you know, just pull up. So I pull up, play the record, and he just kept saying, like, man, you independent? Right. Like, he was like, man, you independent? Like, for real? Like, he played again. He was like, man, you dope. Play it again, man. You dope. Like, he just kept playing the record, kept giving me props, and he jumped on the song. I didn't even have what we agreed to. So, I was, that was another dilemma. I was like, look, man, I'm about two racks short. He's like, oh, man, this dude playing. But he just respected my hustle so much. He did it. He signed off on the paperwork. Like, I own the verse. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, all the paperwork was clear, whatever, whatever. So, I do this record, and I do what you said. I paid uh, the radio uh, promoter to promote my record. I pay him 15 grand. Right. He stole it. Yeah. You know, and that's the reality of the industry. Now, keep in mind, cool. this is me, JC, the independent artist, not the sign artist with the advance that has this lump sum of money. This is JC. I get my money. I reinvest it back into myself. I write a song over here. I do a show over here. So that 15 is hard that's earned. That's death. 15 yeah. grand to an that's independent hard artist earned, man. Death. Yeah. You know what I could do with that? Like that, that might be... What I live off of right. for four months, you know what I'm saying? Like, until I get some more income coming in. So I saved that up, dropped that money, man, he stole it. But see, he messed up because I was at a point in my career where I really knew the industry. So I did it the right way and had the 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 trans, like the emails and the correspondence that I needed. Right. I took him to court, you know, and, and got all my money back. Right. Um, but that process took two years. Oof. And so a lot of people were like, didn't you have a song with Future? 
And I'm like, yeah, well, I was in court for two years. So that was like two years ago. So JC, tell me about, okay, now that you're doing the independent thing and you're releasing music overseas, Mm -hmm. tell me about that process of collecting your royalties because I know it's a little bit different than it is here in the States. Yeah, well, um, one one of the things I did here recently, I hired like an independent, um, like, uh, I don't know what you call him. He's like an independent royalty guy or whatever right. and he goes out here and gets royalties worldwide but the the most important thing I did was I started owning my ISRC codes because I've always gone and gotten them from CD Baby or right. for disc makers and he expressed the importance of actually it's a difference when you own them and you assign them to those songs because nobody else can tell you, oh, you made this much or the song. Made, like you actually know the tra- the tracking of that song came from you. So then I'm like, okay, how much you charge to do that and blah, blah, blah. And then I said, okay, so I'm always going to go do my research. So I did my research and just became my own, you know, uh, licensed uh, whatever they call it, like right. to be able to license your own material. Authorize, yeah, right. yeah, I'm authorized to uh, do up to a hundred thousand ISRC codes. So that's what I did. You know, starting with Bang Bang was the first song I ever owned my ISRC codes, and I actually created them for the acapella, the instrumental, the main, the radio edit, every everything. Can you speak to exactly what an ISRC code is for people who don't? Even understand what you're talking about. It's like uh, I would re- I would compare it to a brand. Like it's it's just like when you brand cat uh, you brand cattle. Except for the only well, let me give a better example. It's like a social security number for that song. I guess that gotcha. would say each song has its unique number, and that ISRC code. I didn't even know what they were, you know. But that's that. It's, it's kind of like a barcode for a physical. Um, disc or physical product right. except for you can actually use this to track stuff digitally as well but I never had those and I knew something was wrong when my album was like uh, my my first album in Japan was like number three on the charts and I wasn't seeing anything beyond my initial advance and then I started getting my royalty checks but they were only for my physical sales right and I'm like, okay, if I had a number three album in all of Japan, I know I have songs playing on the radio, and I wasn't getting any publishing. Wow. So that was another aspect with the guy that I hired. Um, and I, I apologize, I cannot remember what it's called. I went blank. But there's another aspect, aside from the ISRC codes, where they actually go out. Uh, they're called foreign mandates. They do like the foreign mandates for your songs to basically demand, you know, this money, money that is owed to you that has to be paid out to you. So that I, I don't really have knowledge of that. And just so you guys know, there's the backstory to this. There's actually it's almost like it's almost like a pimp game for real. Like it is. the other territories are not willing to pay you your royalties flat out because the US doesn't pay their artists a fair amount. So there's like a battle going on where the foreign territories are saying, nah, we're not giving y'all nothing. You actually literally have to go out and get your money. There's money all over every table in every other foreign territory that you'll never see. And you know what? It's just sitting there. Yeah. If you don't know about your ISRC code, if you don't know about how to track your money in foreign territories, literally there's money sitting on the table waiting on you. They're never going to call you and tell you about it because they don't like the U.S. So that's why I thought it was really interesting, you know, that you are selling over there. I wanted to make sure we got to the bottom of that. 
Yeah, you, you, you're right, man. And I wouldn't be surprised, like, this is no exaggeration. It's just I've been on the overseas scene since 2005. Like, I've been to Switzerland. I've been to Germany. I've been to Australia, Japan. And I I would not be surprised if I've been, I've missed out on at least a million dollars. I wouldn't be surprised because my music, my music got buzzing. That's how I got over there. I didn't right. go over there and promote my music. My music leaked overseas, and then they I found out two right. years later, three years later, and they flew me over there to do shows. I'm like, man, how long has this song been out? All you got to do is go YouTube. All right. my music was leaked by overseas individuals, and... It, Played on radio, full rotation. They're, they're they're telling me like, oh yeah, chap, your your such such song is like that's like a hit over here. My song Highway to Love in Japan was like a top five single. Never saw a dime. Wow, that's crazy. I so, never saw a dime. I'm just me. mad about that Australian accent you just did though. The chap, yeah, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that's how they're talking to me. So you know, that's one of the conversations I had with the guy I hired. Like I I have to try to go tackle that money moving forward because there's really nothing I can do about the older stuff. So you see what I'm saying? Like no, it's, and I got a billion, a billion of these stories, man, like situations. And sometimes I just ask them, man, why are you still doing this? Like, you so know, why, why are you still doing it? That's a great segue. Why are you still doing it? It's because I love the music and that's why, you know, like I was listening to tracks on the way here the other night when I saw Kevin's studio, like, I was recording a song then. You know, like this is just what I do is a part of me. I've done it for too long to break away from it. You know, so it's just the nature of the beast. So I just I just accept it and I maneuver within it. So now I have this, the new single, Bang Bang, and now I'm taking a different approach. Okay. And it's just, you know, keep keep poking into some breaks, you know. Dig that. So, well, I guess tell us a little bit more about about Bang Bang. Like we we played the song at the at the top of the hour. So, mm-hmm. like who's who produced it, and like what's your what's your movement with Bang Bang? I got a story behind that too. <laughs> <laughs> I did Bang Bang for Chris Brown. I wrote I wrote Bang Bang for Chris Brown with a producer named Beat Monster, and he's um he's produced for Young Thug and Rich Homie Quan, and uh, he's a rap producer. And he was he he was in a place where he was like, man, I really want to do some R and B stuff. He he's never gotten an R and B placement, and so he reached a position where he could do some work for Chris Brown's project. But he does so much hip hop, he kind of downplayed that. So I did the record and sent it to him. Well, he went crazy over the record, and then he submitted the record two weeks after the deadline for the album. Like so. He had about a six-week window to submit the album for, to Chris Brown's people. He had this is this is a direct placement, and then he fumbled. Oh man, I forgot, man. Oh. I just been, man. You know, I've been, I've been in the studio, man. Thug came through, and I, man, we've been working on this mixtape, and man, my bad, bro. So fast forward a year, um, his people were like JC, man. That Bang Bang song. We really, you really should do something with it. And so this time I said, okay, I'll put it out 
is a, they have like some plugs to radio in the Chicago area. I've never even tried to tackle that region. So they said we we have definite radio play, all the major stations in Chicago, Milwaukee, surrounding areas like that. So I worked out something with them where, um, you know, I would give them a percentage, but they had to pay for uh, everything involving the record. Because I was just at a point as an artist, I'm like, man, I'm, a, I'm just writing now. Like, I'm not spending no more money. Like, that's where I was when that song came about. And this is where we are now. So as of today, you know, uh, I had a conference call yesterday. We got, like, the labels are coming back into the picture. But now my mentality is just entertain everything. But I ain't jumping, you know, for nothing. Like, so but I'm, I'm going to have the meetings. We got, like, three interested now. And I'm going to see where it goes, man. That's good advice. Take every meeting. I don't know why people turn meetings down. Take them all. Meeting doesn't mean anything. Take a meeting. Yeah. yeah. Just like they're just like they're looking at you sideways. Look at them sideways too. Take yeah. the meeting. Hear what they got to say. Let them flesh it out. Yeah. And you you don't have to sign anything just because you go in. there. don't feel like you're wasting anybody's time. Take all meetings. Yeah. To, and, and and it's important you said that because I remember I had a meeting with Atlantic one time, and this was during the transition with Block and Craig Callan. Is it Callum? How you say it? Craig and Lior Cohen, I met with both of them in New York, flew me up there, and they were ready to sign me right there. And the one, if I wouldn't have taken that meeting, I would have signed the deal. Like, it would have come through my attorney, and I probably would have signed it. Right. Because, you know, this was post the Nobody Got No song and all that, so I would have just done it. But Craig sat me down, told me to my face, he was like, now, after talking to you and hearing your story, I have like a whole different level of respect for you. So I'm going to tell you, if we sign you, we're not going to put you out right away. Oh, man. He told me that to my face. He told, uh, matter of fact, he said we have Pleasure P and we have, uh, have you heard Trey Songs? Like, this is how new Trey Songs was at the time. Right. Like, he was buzzing, but he wasn't who he is today. Right. And he was like, right now we're focused on Trey Songs and we're going to do a solo album on Pleasure P. And I was like, for real? From Pretty Ricky? <laughs> I was like, no, y'all not. Like, you know, I'm thinking they just telling me whatever. Everything he told me was true. He said, those are the only two R&B male artists we're going to release within the next three years. That's where we're putting all our focus. You won't see us touch another male R&B artist during that time. And, and everything he told me was true. And I respect him to this day for just saving me from that. I mean, I just come from a bad situation. I don't want to go sell on a label for three more years. So speak to that. Why did, did he did he explain to you why they're only going to put those two male R and B artists out? Did he explain the reasoning? He didn't. He didn't. I, I I mean, I would assume it was because of budget, right? And and then also the whole male R and B artist thing is is tough, right? You know, so you only want to focus. On one at a time, and really. Possibly landscape. Also, you put oh, yeah. out five artists that are competing with each other. So hey, then man. what? It's 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 like I mean, just look at the industry. Turn your radio on. How many male R and B artists? Do, I mean, you got Usher, Trey Songz, August, Chris Brown, and um, who else? Maybe Miguel. And out of those five, the only two new artists are August Alsina and Miguel. There's no other new artist. You got new artists that have like a little single over here, 
a little buzz on the West Coast, a little. But I'm talking about premier artists. The machine behind that, them. The mach- yeah. There's only a handful of them, literally, maybe five. And three of those been around. I mean, Usher been around for, what, almost 20 yeah. years now. Right. So. That's dope that he was willing to uh, even open up and be that honest with you. Because, I mean, being real, he, he didn't owe you that. Like, right. niggas don't owe you shit. But like he said, right. it's because he took that meeting and he got a chance to actually look him in his eyes. Right. And, and had a conversation we having now. And he that's, had to gain That's why that I had with him. Like I, I told the same stuff we're talking about now. That's why I sat there and talked to them about, and half the stuff they're just shaking their head like, man, this guy. Like you know, they were speaking to some of the individuals I named, and um, but I, man, I just respect that because that allowed me to, I mean, to do what I'm doing now. Now I'm faced. Now, honestly, you know, it's crazy. I have all this knowledge of the industry, but I would say I'm more. I don't know. I guess I'm more terrified now than I was back then because I didn't know anything back then. Now I'm more knowledgeable (laughs) of all the endless possibilities of things that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so what if I do go sign with Sony in two weeks? What's that going to look like in two years? Eyes wide open. Yeah, man. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. Tell Thank everybody you, what you want them to know, man. Plug yourself. Anything you need to let people know about. Man, I need to get my Instagram going, man. I'm I feel like an old man, man. Like I, I do not do the social media thing like I should, but I'm getting better. So y'all follow me on Instagram, it's your boy JC. Uh Twitter, it's your boy JC. My website, it's your boy JC.com. And all of that is I-T-S-Y-A-B-O-Y-J-C.com. Of course, my new single, Bang Bang, uh, that's on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Amazon, any digital provider that's out. Um, and let me see. What, oh, I got a sweepstakes going on for my song, Bang Bang. Basically, you go on Instagram, you post a 15-second video. You can be in it. You cannot be in it. It's whatever, but it's got to be related to the song. Somehow, it's got to promote the song. It can you it doesn't it's not just for women, guys, girls. It can be silly, you can be funny, like whatever you want to do. And um I basically put all those names into like a raffle style drawing. And I'm giving away like a three-day cruise, uh, some Beast by Dre headphones, uh, Visa gift cards, House of Chappelle, gift certificate um uh, from Rico Chappelle. Yo, and um That's yeah, dope. Man. Yeah, man. That's dope. So you got all you a three day cruise off of <laughs> off of the record. Three like, day cruise, man. Most artists might give you a a, <laughs> a, a plane trip to the BT Awards, right? Or right. Uh, you know, three day cruise, man. I I was blessed to partner with some people. And I just always keep my mouth running, man. Like, I'm like, oh, you work for who? Hey, yeah, you know, like, I got this single, like, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people just threw it out there, like, oh, well, you know, I can do a $100 gift certificate for, you know, for my biz. Or, you know, I will sponsor you with blah, blah, blah. So a lot of this stuff is sponsored. And, right. you know, I just pay a portion, you know, to to get it done. But it requires 15 seconds. You take any snippet from the song and incorporate that into the video and that's it. So just you gotta it. tag me in it, you know, like okay. not tag me or at me. Like it's your boy JC. Uh I, w- I would prefer you hashtag bang bang and I would prefer you actually do buy the record 
Uh, they, of course, they, you got to buy the record. Yeah, I mean, it's, you it's, can't go on a three day cruise. It's ninety nine cents. <laughs> like I, I think, I think I need to create some type of rule in the fine print where, like, if your name is drawn and then. Your phone doesn't have the download on it. Right, maybe. you got a screenshot of your receipt. Yeah, yeah. Like, I <laughs> man, see three day cruise. I need man. to see that PayPal receipt from iTunes. Or something, <laughs> man. Like, but let yeah. me tell you what I learned today. So, what I what I recognize from JC, and it's something that me and a lot of my students have talked about before, is that a question I always ask him at the very beginning of our courses, I ask them, "Why do you do music?" And if the, the answer I'm looking for, I'll go in to give you guys a hint. The answer I'm looking for is not because it's, it's my passion, it's what I do, it's all I know. The answer I'm looking for is because I can't not do music. And I think, I think JC is the epitome of that. I don't think there's a way for JC to not do music. And that's what I've learned today. Yeah, 100%. I think that if you can't not do music, then that's what you're supposed to do. But JC, we appreciate you coming out. Hey, man, I appreciate y'all having me, man. Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's the 9010rule.com.